Resurrectionists. People say, I hate the living. It's not true. I just happen to see the potential inside all people, those great things anyone can do if they aren't trapped inside their own consciousness and morals. And when I unlock that potential, death is the side effect. I can't help that. Dr. Douglas McMorning. Resurrectionists. The name is a cruel joke, amusing only to the twisted minds of murderers and grave robbers. Resurrectionists reanimate the dead, but the trade of resurrectionists results not in a body restored, but a soulless puppet. Their practices are particularly appealing to the citizens of Malifaux, who already must contend with the occupational dangers of the mines and the nightmare spawn of the Neverborn. That some of the most terrible monsters this world knows are fellow men and women, former friends and family, is a grim realization. Humanity has a long tradition of honoring their dead. In Malifaux, the death effect of soul stones provides difficult existential and religious questions, and resurrectionists are blatant in their desecration of human life. The reanimated serve only the selfish, unconsciousable goals of these masters of death. On the topic of the resurrectionist threat, there is a unanimous support by the population of Malifaux to hunt and capture these barbarous individuals. The Governor General's crusade against the necromancy of the resurrectionists has overwhelming public support. His own personal staff suffered a grisly attack days after he won his position. In later weeks, the missing members of his cabinet were identified in a series of robberies, kidnappings, and murders. It was only after an extensive investigation that the true nature of these attacks came to light, that these bodies of the Governor General's staff had succumbed to an unidentified resurrectionist. With that discovery, a special task force, the Death Marshals, were organized to combat the resurrectionist threat. Their methods lack subtlety, but they developed a sophisticated profile used to identify and apprehend their targets. A resurrectionist is often a single individual working alone or with one or two loyal assistants. Due to the gruesome nature of the work, these necromancers are forced to ply their trade in secret. Each one comes upon his craft through individual study, whether through science, magic, or some otherworldly pact. The art fosters creative resourcefulness, as fresh corpses and strict privacy are continuously in short supply. The governor's witch hunt has forced necromancers into the abandoned, quarantined areas of Malifaux. There, these grim wizards are constantly at odds with the Neverborn, and only those necromancers who show significant aptitude are able to survive. These enterprising individuals fortify the abandoned districts they claim and populate them with the shambling undead militias to fight off rival resurrectionists and the Neverborn attackers. The Death Marshals have attempted to raid these outposts with moderate success and chilling discoveries. Despite the obvious individualism inherent in these criminals and their methods, curiously, similar sigils, devices, and journal entries suggest some amount of shared knowledge. 
The governor has also discovered that by pushing resurrectionists into the abandoned portions of the city, they have unwittingly encouraged the looting of these areas. Necromancer strongholds are filled with artifacts collected from the haunted streets of Malifaux. Of particular note are the large libraries maintained by these grave robbers, books salvaged from the ruins of Malifaux's past. While only a few have managed to be seized intact, the texts suggest a dark patron, a spirit, tutoring the necromantic arts, communicating subtly through the mysteries of science and magic, tempting those who crave forbidden knowledge. These texts and artifacts seem to be the source of the shared techniques common amongst these criminals. While many of those aware of these texts believe this patron to be a simple metaphor, other guild members fear this grave spirit is real. Those fears magnify when one considers the armies of the undead marshaled in the outskirts of the city from the vaulted hideways to their masters that these resurrectionists might be the unwitting lieutenants of a malicious patron would mean that the city is under siege and that every dying man is a potential recruit for an ever-growing army of the undead. Morgue Master McMorning serves as the guild's coroner. He is a new breed of scientist, born in this era. Forensic science is a new concept in this time, and there is no better place to practice this trade than in Malifaux, where death and murder are a daily occurrence. McMorning's gruesome curiosity into the mechanism of death would ultimately lead to his study of old Malifaux's final days and the legacy of magic it left behind. Exposure to these energies, conjured in necromancy, has a dramatic effect on a person's sanity. In experimenting with these ancient methods, McMorning's genius has been twisted, becoming maddened and cruel. He is unsatisfied with merely reproducing the feats of Malifaux's past, desiring to innovate, to build on those techniques, and to create new brands of sorcery. These bodies that arrive on his dissection table become the raw materials for new creations, monsters that have never been imagined before. With these unnatural minions, he will harvest even darker secrets from the ruins of this ancient city. In recent months, guild officials have become suspicious of his activities, and McMorning has been forced to conduct his experiments in more secure locations. Utilizing Malifaux's expansive sewers, McMorning has journeyed into the quarantine zone where he has established a more remote base of operations. This fortress laboratory is every bit the definition of mad science described in the popular pulp novels of the time, composed as it is with sparkling apparatus and towering banks of electrical switches. If it weren't for the gruesome product of this lab, his madness would almost be comical. When it comes to the morgue's nurses, the adage, beauty is only skin deep, 
could not be more perversely true. The nurses have paid a high price for eternal beauty in both their sanity and their souls. Donning the flesh of McMorning's most beautiful victims, nurses use their feminine wiles and alchemical concoctions to capture subjects the morgue master would prefer to gather intact. Likewise, they are tasked with using compounds of their own devising to keep his failed experiments under control. Unfortunately, their lack of medical training usually results in a messy death once the compounds have run their course. Dim-witted and unwaveringly loyal, Sebastian is one of McMorning's first test subjects. Although he is no longer in possession of all of his faculties, Sebastian enjoys a prolonged life through his master's experiments. Lugging his steam-powered bone saw, Sebastian aids McMorning in recovering reluctant volunteers for the lab, or at least the pieces required for McMorning's experiments. Hours beneath McMorning's scalpels have left Sebastian able to feel only the most severe pain. He wades into danger, bone saw whirling around him, ignoring brutal cuts and stabs from his foes, picking up whatever pieces, his or theirs, are left afterward, carrying them back to the lab. Always the visionary, Morgue Master McMorning's experiments are not limited to just human subjects. Animals collected from a variety of species are subject to his knife's exploitations. Their inner secrets laid bare under the harsh glare of the surgical light. McMorning's totem takes the form of his first successful non-human experiment, a stray chihuahua Sebastian had named Dog. McMorning's improvements to the chihuahua increased its size and ferocity, and he was eventually able to train the creature to gather body parts for him. Oddly, the dog's yapping bark did not deepen with its increased size giving it a macabre but comical appearance as it leaps to rip out throats. Eloquent and well-spoken, Nicodem bucks the stereotype commonly applied to his fellow resurrectionists, that of the psychotic grave robber. There is no irony in that Nicodem is the man who provides the graves for the dead men and women of Malifaux. He is the very definition of the gentleman criminal, as likely to steal a man's fortune with a honeyed word as he is with a bullet. Nicodem understands well the treasures buried in the earth, the graveyard is full of the secrets of the past. It is here, in the cemeteries of Malifaux, that Nicodem first learned of necromancy and the secret whispers that would bring unlife to the cold corpses buried in the ground. Nicodem sees in this art the ability to stand against the guilt. Necromancy provides power that the Governor General will never have. Slowly, beyond the sight of the guild, Nicodem raises a rebellion. Cloistered in a stronghold deep in the quarantine zone, he plots an elaborate scheme that will replace the guild's power base within Malifaux with an empire of the undead, a scheme that will dethrone the corrupt governor-general and put a lord of the dead in his place. Mortimer is the polar opposite of his most frequent employer, Nicodem. Crude, overweight, and slovenly, 
He provides the manual labor associated with a resurrectionist's most common activity, exhuming bodies. A pragmatic man, Mortimer's commitment to the resurrectionists comes not from any devotion to their cause, but from the color and quantity of their coin. Over time, he has learned bits of their magic and is capable of summoning undead companions, most often in the form of an undead hound. Seamus's infamy is known throughout Malifaux. Stories of his grisly crimes are even painted across newspaper headlines back home. The hunt for this daring murderer is a sensation discussed at length in parlors and coffee shops of New Amsterdam. To them, Malifaux is a frontier not because of its distance from civilization, but because of the lawlessness that Seamus' continued freedom exemplifies. While the Guild and other factions busy themselves with the struggle of Soulstone, Seamus has discovered power in the ruins of the city itself. Vast libraries are full with arcane secrets of a long-vanished race. From these secrets, he has divined the art of necromancy, and in the streets of the city, he preys on the young and beautiful to practice his craft. The citizens of Malifaux fear this criminal above all others. He is more terrifying than the monstrous neverborn creatures that haunt this city. His appearance has prompted riots, distractions he's used to cover his daring raids on guild and union property. The scope of his crimes will only grow as his goal to refine his skill with undeath into an art will bring even grander exploits. Unlike his fellow resurrectionists, Seamus takes a very literal interpretation of the volumes he's unearthed. In those pages are described an unknowable spirit, a sentience embodied in the dark energies of necromancy. This spirit, as it is written, communicates subtly through the practice of ritual and scientific experimentation. This spirit's power flows into the world, conjured by the techniques of necromancy and embodied in unlife. With grim zeal, Seamus reaches toward this grave spirit, eagerly pursuing its whispers. He pays no heed to any agenda this dark patron may have, only to the carnal mysteries he might learn. Seamus morbidly calls the contingent of undead women accompanying him his bells. His first bells were Fia de Joie, working in Madame Sabelle's saloon. Something in the way Madame Sabelle ran her establishment attracted the fledgling resurrectionist, and he soon took the entire saloon staff into his shambling coterie, preferring the company of the dead to that of the living. Despite their necrotic state, the Bells still possessed some rudimentary memory of the skills they had in life, using their putrescent beauty to lure unsuspecting foes to their deaths. Timeless and mindless, his ladies of the evening carry out any task given to them until they either complete it or are destroyed. Dressed in her cat house best, the corpulent ex-owner of Madame Sabelle's saloon now exists as a reanimated nightmare of desire and disgust. Once admired for her ability to read a man seeking her girl's affections, she grossly misread the individual who would end her life and resurrect her and her girls into eternal servitude. 
Because they were once her employees, rotten bells still answer, albeit in limited fashion, to her moaning orders. Many foes have fallen to her unearthly strength and corrupted weapons. Her provocative manner of dressing, once sensual, can still cause opponents to lose their edge in a fight, whether from horror or from perverse attraction, is thankfully unknown. everyone it's alex one more time if you liked this episode please subscribe rate and review us do you want to stay in touch we'd love to hear from you we are on facebook twitter and instagram at soul story pod the cast is on twitter as well you can find moose at moosifo spencer at spare bear the meek bam bam at hot bam with three m's logan at kotl of the light and you can find me your fate master at roll for alex